0: You're of are of Salutation shades, and welcome back to your one-stop shop for all things strange and unusual talking with shadows. The conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Whaley. And a very surprised and
1: enthusiastic Marcus D. As I'm staring at an amazing (laughs) beer that Vic picked out today. My tops, I top my hat to you. You tops your hat to me. (laughs) That's what I said before I drank this beer. So this is going to be
0: interesting to see what this is going to do to me after a beer. I, I, a while back, if I remember right, we were talking about how we were trying to get a beer called Bat Squatch, but couldn't find Correct. it. Correct. And I was walking through Walmart a few days ago, and boom, Bat Squatch. How come when
1: I go to Walmart, when it said that it had Bat Squatch beer, they look at me like I'm crazy, <laughs> and they're like, "Well, we've never heard of that kind of beer." I'm like, "It's on your website, sir. It's supposed to be showing it." I had one last night. They're they're good. They're IPAs, but they're good. Also, fun fact in beer news: I don't know if you guys know this. The Bush beer heiress uh, is actually uh, is uh, running for uh, Missouri state senate. Weird. Saying we need something different. Is it beer? I, I I would vote beer party, but I mean that's also what most people say after drinking Bush beer. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, poor choice of words, man. Poor choice of words. Okay, let's crack the beer and let's get I into do. some comments. I want to, uh, I want to see what this tastes like because uh, the reviews for it were pretty good. But then it's an IPA, so I you never know. like IPAs. Well, that's because that's more the the beer art and the name <laughs> is more is better than the beer usually. I think you just don't like IPAs. I think they're fine. I mean, they're fine, but they don't live up to the height of something, you know, called like, you know, what was a purple haze or, I mean, I guess Basquatch I mean, Basquatch is okay.
0: So you like this one? I, I think purple, it's pretty good. Or
1: purple freaky mushroom swirls. Like, it's, it's always- I was gotta, disappointed in the gumball one. I thought like, it would taste more gumball. The art in the name makes it seem like it's gonna taste way But Tell me I'm lying, people. You're, you're not wrong.
0: You're not wrong. But, I
1: mean, no, Basquatch
0: is pretty good. Okay. Mm. today out of the blue Ricky Bruckman reached out to me to go get lunch for just so you guys know Ricky Bruckman's our friend from Mount Vernon Paranormal and I hadn't had a chance to see him for a while and we discussed like some upcoming um like investigations we want to do and he hands me a cursed plaque from a funeral home He says he doesn't know much about it but it's cursed and since he has a uh, kid he didn't want to keep it in his house mm. so I'm like yeah sure I bring it home, and a thousand things immediately go wrong. Mm-hmm. I open the door, and my power goes out. There's this weird fight between two of my friends. There's just everything starts going wrong. Now it's in the shed. It is in the shed far <laughs> away from my house. It is a time I do out. not need it. it t- you cursed my house, and now you're in the
1: shed. Good job, Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> but what did you expect when you brought a cursed object into your house? I, it
0: normally doesn't... Just immediately start firing at both cylinders. (laughs) You didn't think it was just going to be that cursed? I I didn't think it would be that cursed. And I figured it's like, oh, yeah, there might be a few bumps in the house or something like minor might have. No, it was like right off the bat within like 30 minutes of getting it. Boom, boom, boom. Things started happening. When have you ever seen anything that's an object
1: that's cursed be lightly cursed? (laughs) Like what kind of that's like you get it? Oh, I have a slight headache. Or you get a a mildly inconveniencing task that you have to do at work. It's always terrible. (laughs) Like, you're going to die. Or someone you love is going to die. Or your house falls down. Wait a minute right now. It can go curse the garden shed right now. Yeah, it can curse that. Uh, All right. But if you guys didn't check out last, uh, last, uh, last episode was episode 100, where we celebrated 100 episodes of Talking with Shadows. Thank you guys so much for all of the support that you guys have given us. Appreciate it a lot. So... Uh, doing some comments, Dan Ward, super, super wait, wait, wait. we have a new patron. We do not, we do, we do have a new patron. We have not acknowledged our new patron yet, sir. I apologize. I apologize. I'm pulling it up. I'm, I didn't, I I thought that we'd acknowledge this person. No, no. See, now you're throwing me off because I'm trying to figure out what this person's (laughs) name was, who we got as a patron. I know the name on discord. Montia? Yeah, we gave Monty a shout out the last episode. We did. Yes, in in episode 100. If I'm lying, Monty, I apologize. But anyway, and a big shout out to our newest patron, Monty. Woo! Shout out to you. If I'm wrong on the patron, then call me and I apologize on that. I
0: didn't think we had.
1: Well, I've been having to babysit my cousins for like the last five days. So it's gotten in the way of us being able to record. Phenomenal people, great. They listen to our. They listen to our podcast. Sound like they're awesome. They are. They are top and they are winning in life, but it uh, makes it it makes it difficult for me to come over here. And my older cousin
0: Sean knows why. (laughs) And just so you guys know, uh, we're sorry that this video is up late, but I have a surprise for you guys after comments to make it up to you. Right. Ooh, nice. Oh, bitch, uh, uh, the the one clue I'll give you is I asked Marcus to pit or to uh, show up with hot sauce, three different kinds, each one getting hotter than the previous. I thought this was just what you were planning on drinking after the bat squatch. And I, mm-hmm. I do like drinking hot and sauce, but, but comments, comments, comments. Yes.
1: So Dan Ward, Super Patriot, said Dan Ward. Uh, so follow up to my question in the video, my favorite uh, of the favorite and least favorite investigations. What was your most WTF just happened investigation or a moment in investigation? Uh, I would. Ooh. Okay, I would say for me, the probably what we did not talk about in the episode would be the time that we went to investigate the paranormal activity at Scales Lake. I would together I would oh say. Oh my t- god, together, yeah, this would have to be my biggest WTF moment too. Was the day that we went to investigate uh wait no, Sc- I have a better one. scales. Well, well hang on. Well, I also got part of that too, because the the the, the probably the biggest WTF moment initially that we thought of in the moment was we were, we were out in this field and both me and Vic both thought at the same time that we heard a voice on the wind, very creepy, very chilling experience. But also in that same investigation, part of uh, that particular area, there's something called the legend of black Annie, which is kind of like a woman in white story where it's like a woman, except in white clothes, she's in black clothes. And she's like running across, like running up and down this road, supposed to jump on your car, uh, have you. And so at the very end of the road, whenever we're driving down it, we come to the T and around, I think it was a stop sign, there was this black scarf tied around the stop sign. Which to this day, Vic just says, Well, I don't think that's any big deal. I'm like, but we're investigating the legend of Black <laughs> Annie who's and we find a black lacy scarf around the end of like the this road. And the weirdest thing was I didn't think to take a picture. That's how I knew it was a WTF moment because I forgot to take a picture in that moment, which is super weird and happens to uh, even the best of paranormal investigators. There's also
0: this weird, like... Super skinny shirtless guy walking around out there, and that was pretty weird too. I, I think it was Hobo Steve. I'm pretty Steve. sure the scarf was not his. <laughs> no, I don't think the scarf
1: it was Hobo. It was Steve. actually a very fancy scarf. Yeah, we were we were very afraid of getting out of the, the car because we were afraid we were going to be stabbed by Hobo Steve. I, I, I do remember. I do remember that.
0: My biggest WTF moment. Uh, I'm investigating uh, Bargeist Road with Ellie and Adam Mathers. And we're driving down the road, and we hear this really weird sound outside the car, and I think we've blown a tire or something. So I get out of the car to check and see what the heck's going on. So I get out there, I check the tires, everything's fine. Everything's normal, there's nothing wrong. But it really sounded like we had just blown a tire. But I look up from where I'm working, where my flashlight has settled on, is the fence next to the car where there is a rotting bisected dog corpse. Hung up clearly intentionally on the fence. Like clearly and intentionally just rotting there. And in a bar guys, for those of you who don't know, that's what the road's known for there being a bar guys, is this like dark spectral dog. And I'm like, the heck's going on here? The rest of the investigation, totally normal. But that was a big WTF. Uh,
1: also, Dan said, uh, what are your thoughts on Luton09? Uh, that's a
0: Warhammer YouTuber. Uh, I don't think I'm familiar with them.
1: You, you know what's weird is Dan through that. I know that name. Who's a? That's a Warhammer 40k YouTuber, and I think that's actually the most popular one, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and I also don't watch that one. That was weird. Like my favorite Warhammer YouTuber is probably Wolf uh, Wolf Lord Rowe. Oh, I do like his stuff because I, I, because I, I love how he like leans into telling the story. He, and every story he tells you is the greatest story of all time. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's like just some dude going in like to push papers. He'll be like, "This is the greatest paper pushing story that I've ever heard," and he just,
0: he just, it's great. My favorite was <laughs> if the emperor had Texas speech. Thanks a lot, GW. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Moving on. Okay. Uh, Hellhound
1: said, "Maybe the demon in the studio is a hero, and you two are his sidekicks." Oh God, mm. Mm. <laughs> I don't want to be a sidekick. You don't want to be? A, that's okay. If there's nothing wrong with being my hero support, <laughs> that's the proper nomenclature. I'm not. Gonna let if you talk anyone is to hero support here, it is you. That is untrue, good sir. That is untrue. I'm the one with the cool tech. Actually, I think the tech gadget person is usually Which the is sidekick. But so I don't. want I'm not going to bring that argument up. So, all right, moving on from that one. Uh, Kay Bennett said, congratulations to two my favorite, uh, my two favorite uh, Supernatural YouTubers. Ding. Hearts. Big hearts. Laughing Fox. Zach Baggins is definitely one of those sack-filled packets. <laughs> Shout out to you. That's great. That's Love great, it. Laughing Fox. That is probably, that's a great dinger right there. And Marcus, I think we all know that it's the loud, brash ones that tell the stories later. So, of course, they make themselves the main character of the retelling.
0: Oh. Oh, yeah, no, that makes sense because I'm loud and brash. That is, uh, no, I'm loud and brash. Compared to y- compared to
1: you, who's quiet and timid. That's that's I'm the I am the king of humble, sir. Just, <laughs> that's what I like to think of myself as. Appreciate that. But yeah, but uh, but thank you guys so much for all the comments, on this support. It was so much appreciated. We love you guys so much. Nobody loves their fans more than us. Big hearts to you. Big hearts to you guys.
0: Okay, so why don't you fill these two skull shot glasses Ugh. up? with it. the mild hot sauce. I think that's the okay, so the three hot sauces that we got. I like how he says
1: please tell us the hot sauces. Like it says on there what the what the scoville I think it's I think it's scoville uh uh level is in, in for it. So, I've got uh three very popular ones. I've got uh Frank's red hot original. I've got uh Tabasco brand uh, the McKillian's company Tabasco brand, it's one's in every, you know, Spanish Mexican restaurant and Cholula Hot sauce, very nice hot sauce, mind you, which I think is the hottest. I think it actually goes Frank's Tabasco and then
0: Cholula. So we will go for Frank's Red Hot Sauce. So each time you miss a question, a you take a shot. Your shot this? You take a shot. You can do a half shot. Is... If you're if you're a wussy, you can take a half shot. That's okay. Oh, thank you for um, trying to challenge my manhood here. But oh, if you miss a question, you take a shot of the current hot sauce, and then it gets refilled with the next hottest. The oh. person who either chickens out or Drinks the hottest hot sauce oh, and loses. God, that's like a fourth of the bottle when what I just poured into these shot. These are not shot glasses. These, these are, are just- kind of heavy. You poured yeah. those kind of heavy. Okay, I, I will go first. Are you wuss with the alcohol? I have a little uh, cryptid quiz here. I'll go I'll, I'll go first. Just All read right. me the questions. Sure. They're multiple choice. Also, All I right. suck at reading, guys, so just get ready for that. Okay. I think I want the first one. I know the answer to this. This elusive
1: monster appears as a sort of kangaroo-slash-goat hybrid walking on two legs with hooved feet, though it does also have the ability to fly short distances with its bat-like wings. Uh, it is said to be the 13th child of the witch name
0: Mother Leeds. Oh, the Jersey Devil. As the Jersey Devil. Actually, do you want to read the question since I can't start your reading?
1: Yeah, I gotcha, yeah.
0: Okay. Your question. Alright. Boom.
1: Scroll the next question. Scroll, scroll, scroll. All right, here we go. In 1969, 1969, couples in a Texas town reported that a half-goat, half-man creature with fur and scales attacked their cars when they were out parking. The beast later threw a tire and jumped onto another car. The only known photograph shows a hulking biped with shaggy white fur. Is it known as the Lake Worth Monster? The Austin Demon, or the Bahamoria Beast? I know this one. I do too. I believe it is a Lake Worth monster. I am pretty sure you're correct. Oh! <laughs> booyah! Thank you, sir. Okay, okay. Back to me. Back to me. All right. Here we no go. No hot sauce so far. I right, know. We're doing pretty good. This cryptid is essentially a dinosaur similar in shape and size to a sauropod that has reportedly managed to avoid extinction in the jungles of the Congo River Mokulimbe. Basin. Membe. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm worried that these may or may not be too easy, and I said that it's probably about to give us the most difficult one. Okay. Here we go. This terrifying Filipino monster takes a human shape during the day, often living among people. At night, it turns into an animal or monster and sucks people's blood. Sometimes it devours children instead, even sucking the unborn out of their mother's womb while they sleep.
0: The bolo... The Aswine or the Palam? And I believe that, that is the Aswine. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Is yep. it? Yep. Okay, okay, okay. Both of us two for two. Alright. Give me with your best
1: shot. Fire away. How come you get easy mode? <laughs> Do I just- I swear this is rigged. Cause you get like you get like the Jersey Devil, and I get like obscure Filipino <laughs> cryptid and this softball ass question what, what is it this underwater creature thought to resemble a please oh my sword, god it's the Loch Ness monster. is the most famous cryptid of the world it's the Loch Ness monster. yeah it is oh, the well, that was super monster
0: easy. you schmuck. do you want to give me another one no 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 no, no.
1: it's i uh, think i'm about to drink one here we go the final question the final question i think because i think we're doing three Divers and fishermen in the Caribbean report attacks by this monster, which is said to re- uh, resemble an enormous octopus. <laughs> Octosaurus Rex, Lusca, or Fridia. Oh, I know this one. I believe it is uh, Fridia. Nope, it's Lusca. Lusca. Oh, it drink. Drink, right, drink, drink, drink. All
0: right, I'm lost. I lost one. I'm about to. Oh, mm. take that. Oh, oh, the face he's oh. making is making it worth it. Oh, God. Oh. oh. Yeah, chase that hot sauce with some beer.
1: Oh, thank you. I, have, oh, I can chase this hot sauce with beer. Oh, Ugh. it's like it's like sucking the bottom of a buffalo, of like a buffalo wing bowl. Ugh. Oh God. Softball question going to Vic. This mysterious corpse was found on a beach in Long Island, New York, in
0: 2008. Is it the Montauk monster? He's
1: getting it before I'm done reading the question. It resembles a hairless beast with a bizarre toothy beak. Experts later identified it as a raccoon that had undergone de- decomposition and lost part of its jaw. Okay, you can yes. give me two in a row. Give me another one. the Montauk monster. Give me another one. Oh, no, 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 it's okay. Uh, it's okay. Oh, God. Ugh. Only a few sightings... This is my turn. Okay. Only a few sightings support the existence of this British cryptid. A terrifying combination of a predatory bird and a human. It's partly named for the town in Cornwall, England, where it was seen. Got it. Easter Eagle line. It's my question. I know it. Easter Eagle. The Owlman of Maonan. Or the Owlman of Cornwall. Ooh, actually, I don't know which
0: one that is i know it's the owl man yeah it's that yeah it's that it's the it's the owl man of cornwall yeah oh okay it's that the owl man of Malwa? Well, i don't even a, know where that is let's
1: both see that's weird because i clicked on the it, it is,
0: i think both there's an owl man at both yeah i just don't remember which one is which mm. wait did he get wrong no it was right oh, okay good good, good, good good okay
1: let's say in the uh,
0: okay last two questions I might go undefeated here, guys. I, I'm just saying, I might go undefeated. Mm-hmm. Oh, pull it up. Sorry. Here we go. This
1: legend, this legendary sea beast, reportedly attacked ships with its massive tentacles. Did you write these? No. Tentacles. Numerous dead specimens were collected in the 20th century. The
0: Kraken, the Emperor jellyfish, or the Humboldt squid. Uh, the Humboldt squid is not very big. But I don't think they classified the creature, the Kraken. I assume they mean the giant squid. This is a really confusingly worded question. I can only assume they mean Kraken, but the correct answer I believe would be the giant squid or the colossal squid. Because both were, specimens were found around that time. Mm-hmm. Am I correct? Yeah, it's the Kraken. i say we make whoever wrote that question take, take a shot. You take a that shot. That, yeah. And the
1: last question for me. Oh, the Himalayan primate is sort of a hip uh, hipster's Bigfoot. It became well known in the beginning of the 1920s before Bigfoot was popular. Sometimes called the Abominable Snowman, it's most known for leaving massive snow prints in the snow. The Garag Boreal Snow Ape, or the Yeti,
0: and that is the Yeti. All right. Oh uh, man, I I didn't even drink. One. I'm just gonna drink it for fun. Oh, if we do this again, I love the things this... I did, I didn't want to read the questions ahead of time because I didn't want to know them. No, I I know. But to be fair, to be fair though. I think that uh, I, I. What were you complaining about? That hot sauce is
1: good. I'm not saying it wasn't good. I just said I just said that it's just bad by itself. It's fine by itself. I, I prefer my hot sauce with chicken wings, good sir.
0: I like uh, mine on cauliflower.
1: I. Uh, well, I think that it was kind of hard for like you know two you YouTube- paranormal YouTubers that have been doing this for this long to take a cryptid quiz.
0: You know what, guys. Find some really obscure questions. We'll try it again with some harder stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, help us post it in the comments below. Find
1: some really obscure ones and we'll do this again. All and, I can say is I pretty much knew the answers to all of them. Yeah, well, I mean, I missed one. Mr. Doesn't Know What the Luska is? I'm sorry that I missed one. Excuse me, I answered that pretty obscure Filipino vampire batwitch Yeah, bat and I answered one. the
0: same thing.
1: Yeah. Excuse me, like, like, I don't know some of my obscure stuff too. Okay, okay.
0: I want to start it, in this episode, just grab back, guys. That's this month. It is just, we are running roughshod over whatever topics we yeah, want. Yeah, yeah. And I want to, to start about. with our beer. Mm-hmm. Bat Squatch. I've been recently reading um, oh Linda Godfrey's book, American Monsters. And one of the things she brings up in there is the idea that the Mothman is a, more of a phantom than a cryptid, mm-hmm. which in many ways I'd agree with, but I'd like to extend that to... Kind of the whole gargoyle family, like say the NASA gargoyle, the Bask the bat squatch, the Mothman, the fr- Freiburg shrieker, all those guys. And I want to make a case for it. Mm-hmm. Okay, first, there is nothing in natural history that would involve this sort of body shape—the arms, legs, and wings. Beyond that, it's. Pretty much impossible for this to be a spontaneous mutation. It's too advanced. When you evolve, like, say, a wing or an arm, they come in extremely incremental steps building up into it. Um, it doesn't make sense for this to be a recent adaptation. It should be extremely longstanding. And if so, possibly even have a fossil record backing it up, or at least something related to it. We should see at least some animal with that sort of body shape. Beyond that, though, I assume you don't have the argument on that part, Mm -mm. the winged humanoid curse. People who encounter these sort of winged humanoids often have an extremely ill fate befall them roughly within a year.
1: Which, by the way, he did not tell me before we started uh, researching the winged humanoid
0: phenomenon. For the most part, it's people who see one. It's not really something where... You know, like you just talk about it and you get cursed. It's not like Skinwalkers. <laughs> but for the most part, people, or for many cases, people who experience an encounter with a winged humanoid will suffer a tragic fate, often death, within a year or so. As what happened with many of the people with the Mothman encounter in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Actually, a lot of the Mothman witnesses were on the Silver City Bridge when it collapsed. Yeah, but that didn't happen any of the
1: the witnesses of the Bat Squatch like in, in the St. town. Well, area. the
0: thing is we don't know the fallout from the Bat Squatch. We don't know what happened to a lot of these people.
1: Well I think I would I would imagine that if all of those people die well, I mean there's other winged creatures where they don't end up dead shortly afterwards too, other than them. Now the Mothman's a little bit different of the story, but I mean
0: Well, think about other things that we would parody as being similar to the Mothman, even though say the Bat Squatch mm-hmm. would be, you know, fairly similar to it. And also, wasn't like the batsquash spider around the area before Mount St. Helens eruption? Yeah, uh, yeah,
1: it was. It was nineteen. It was nineteen eighty. I want to say Mount St. Helens erupted in nineteen. I want to say it was the same year. Well, that sounds like a pretty good case right there. I'm again. I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's not coincidental. I'm
0: just saying I don't think any of the witnesses died. But like I mean, say, a lot of people in the area died with the Freiburg shrieker. It occurred. Um, I'm going to assume the most of the people who saw the Raven of Chernobyl probably or the Blackbird of Chernobyl probably didn't fare too well afterwards. Like I've always
1: been real, like, like when you talk about like Linda Goffrey's book, like I've always been real shocked at like skeptics who argue against the existence of like some of these winged chimneys, <laughs> and they and their best argument is usually that people are misidentifying this as a crane.
0: Yeah, the sandhill crane specifically it's is no, what yeah. people
1: always say, but it's, uh, sandhill crane, Sorus cranes, another is another just giant crane that some that some people get blind, which are they're big. I mean, they're big things, but they're bigish. But I mean, but like I don't think they're like you know seven, eight, nine. I don't think they're seven, eight, nine feet tall.
0: But like with many of these, yeah, with many of these flying humanoids, the general description is it's taller than an average man. Now I don't remember the exact height of a Sandhill Crane, but it's not taller than an average man. Well, I think the average, I think the average man is
1: like five, is like five six, five seven, and I think a Sandhill Crane, I think still tops at five. I could be wrong. Yeah,
0: that's still. That's still smaller than the average man. Also, like, remember, it's going to have to pull its beacon to give the appearance that the the skeptics supposedly say. So we're talking height at shoulders. Sorry, because the skeptics four and a half
1: feet tall. My apologies.
0: The skeptics say, well, you gotta remember. The Skeptic say it's pulling in its neck in a thread position, and the people are seeing the shoulders and thinking that they're eyes. First of
1: all, that's how I try to scare away beta males at the grocery store all the time. I just push my arms out, and just tuck my neck in real life. If this. you're
0: anyone who has to use the term beta male, you're a beta what? male. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is my thought on that subject. If you have to use that term, you are one. <laughs> okay. Beyond that, the, the mechanism of flight in it. One of the things that we've talked about before, we've read in several different books, in most of these descriptions, as we understand physics, assuming it's using flight in the mechanisms we understand, it does not have the wing capacity to fly. It should not be able to carry its own weight. Mm -hmm. Although not only can it fly, it can fly in abnormally high speeds. In many cases, it can clock up to cars that are speeding away from it at 90 miles per hour it seems to be able to keep up with what it needs to keep up, which is faster than, not only can it fly at this this speed, it's faster than anything else we know that's, you know, biological.
1: You don't think that, you don't think it's quite possible that when some of these people are encountering some sort of peculiar cryptid or thing that they see, that they start extrapolating all these, like, like generally scary things that we associate with monsters, just to not to save face. Because, I mean, I think
0: hyperbole is to the human like to be human is to use hyperbole oh yeah no no i believe that some hyperbole is being used yeah do i think that car was necessarily going 90 miles per hour maybe it was maybe it wasn't but it was probably going at least 60 like I and 60 is still let's lowball it and say they said 90 but they're actually going 60 that's still stupid fast and it shouldn't have been able to keep up right, right but i mean i'm just i mean just but like just over
1: time like i mean like I always give you the examples of, like, you know, my grandfather, you know, he shot a deer, I think, God, like, the day before I was born. And it was a four-point buck. By the time he died, it was a 12-point buck. <laughs> my mom got hit by this army guy, you know, when I was a kid. He was a sergeant. And now, I, I think she tells the story. He's a five-star general. But, you know, but it's like, so you don't think that maybe there's
0: some of that going on with some of these people that are telling some of these stories? Some of them, certainly. But there's an odd consistency to it. And some of the consistencies exist in strange ways. Things that would exist outside the normal monster sort of uh, archetype. Like, for example, the odd sort of radiation-esque effects that some flying humanoids seem to possess. Right. Where if they linger in a tree too long, the tree seems to have burn-like structures on them. Or some people exposed to the Mothman had um, or developed a form of conjunctivitis usually associated with radiation poisoning. I don't...
1: Uh, but to be fair, people that have been accusing people or things of being supernatural entities have been accusing
0: sicknesses for hundreds of years. That's not... I don't know, I don't know if that's new. But this more specific form of radiation... Yeah, yeah monsters were associated with plagues all through yeah. the medieval period. Right. But the association was more, the monster shows up and brings a form of sickness. Mm-hmm. But we have a more defined form it's not a plague that we're encountering with these flying humanoids we're, fi- we're finding very distinct symptoms not vague symptoms one of them Correct. being radiation burns in trees that's nearby and a form of conjunctivitis that's associated with radiation but the interesting thing is this is internally consistent and makes sense if the creature's giving off something that is akin to radiation well it also makes sense and akin that typically
1: people would blame diseases of the day on some of these supernatural things. I mean people used to blame I mean people used to blame witches and stuff for like the black plague and, uh, and all that sort of stuff back in the day. And I mean ever since the 1940s people have been blaming a lot of stu- a lot more stuff when it comes to nuclear radiation has been eking its way into the paranormal since the 1940s.
0: Yeah, but then how do you explain where some of these people have radiation burn or lose an eye to this advanced form of conjunctivitis associated with radiation. No, like uh, how- uh, no, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying there's not a weird parallel there. I'm just
1: saying I think it tends to be a common theme of the time that general diseases or things that are possibly associated with those diseases or effects can often be blamed on the paranormal. Due to people's lack of understanding. Now, I'm not saying that all these people, in these examples are not doing that. I just think there is an example of that with examples of the paranormal in the past that that we have debunked. I'm not saying that because of now. I think that the radiation stuff that we've been seeing with some of this stuff has been some of the coolest, interesting stuff in the paranormal. I'm just giving and I'm, just, we, I'm just
0: giving a food for thought. Can we extrapolate that backwards? Hmm? That people perhaps in the medieval period could have been exposed to monsters also throwing off High levels of radiation, well, which would weaken immune systems, making them more susceptible to plagues.
1: I'm nervous doing that backwards because I would say that makes me feel like we're about to go back to we need to blame witches for, <laughs> no, for no, diseases. No, no, no. And, witches, we, and we just I would got a for that. I would like to make a statement.
0: <laughs> witches mainly cure diseases. Like, and also, penicillin, there is a case of a witch rubbing mm. um br- uh, moldy bar- bread on a wound to help cure it, showing that witches knew about penicillin a long, long, long yeah. time ago. Also, one more pro for all our witches out there. Uh, when Western science stopped using like midwife witches and switched to professional doctors, uh, miscarriages and uh, problems during birth went way up. Way up in Europe when they stopped using witches. Well, they also promote a lot of
1: holistic type of remedies yeah. as well. So, I mean, it's, it's like, so it's, you know, big, we here big shout at out to them. One Candle Society support witches. Right. Except skinwalkers. Except for skinwalkers. You get you guys suck. If you listen, unfortunately. Do better. Yeah. You, you. I believe you can do better. I believe everybody
0: has the ability to do that. Even you. But, okay, I mean, those are like many of my main points. Some of these... Outlier ability to fly, um, the outlier as being a body form, some of these strange diseases, this weird thing where people just seem to die in odd incidents after encountering them. Um, and also, like, I guess I can throw in phantom phone calls seem to follow them around. Well, okay, so my question is this I mean, so say that, that, you're, that your claim
1: does, is that a lot of these winged humanoids are more spectr- spectral. Is that the well, that's
0: the term that she used. I think I would say supernatural. Sorry. Okay, so not a natural natural, not a crypt- natural cryptid. Yeah. Okay. Not a okay. natural creature. Okay. Like like uh, the Loch Ness monster assuming it wasn't a hoax. Right. Um could in theory have been a relic animal. I don't think this could given the natural history and I don't think there's any sort of as we understand it, evolutionary process to pull off some of the effects, unless you're using unknown evolutionary processes.
1: Well, my thing
0: that I have a huge issue with,
1: with that is even if say like there there, there are some sort of spectral entity or they come from somewhere else, why would you need both long arms and wings? Like even even if it's from somewhere else, why you would need
0: both of well, those? Why would a vampire need claws? I would call a vampire a supernatural entity. Well, now they have but like- it's a supernatural entity with a physical form. That doesn't mean it can't gain utility from these physical attributes. Mm-hmm. I think that this is a supernatural entity that possesses a physical form. Or you don't. Or you don't. My, you my don't, main thing is, I don't think biology can explain it at or all. You don't think that maybe in some way, shape, or form that
1: this is just this isn't how necessarily that some winged, winged, human creatures look,
0: but on their own, but how we perceive them to look. I mean, it could have been a projected image by a supernatural creature. I guess I, mean, like, I can't uh, disprove that. Right, right.
1: Only like, because I I'm curious about more something like that because you see, you know, f- you know, for me when you when you see something that looks like a humanoid shape with wings and you, and it has that sort of like demonic look that people have. Like I mean, just that perspective from where they're coming from. I think it that's sort of where that sort of archetypal description sort of comes from.
0: I really think that. If we were, if you were going to put me on the spot and ask me to explain what I think the Mothman and other such gargoyles are, I would be very tempted to call them an Angel of Death. I think that they are an omen of death similar to how Bargais can be. And at the same time, there's a lot of eerie similarities between medieval depictions of the Angel of Death mm-hmm. and the Mothman. Sure, you don't have the glowing eyes, but you do have the black wings. You have this looming um, stature. And you have the hood. The hood is fairly mm-hmm. universal there. Um and I would say I could see this being inspired by it. And I could I mean I I definitely could see I definitely
1: could see that too. I just I have a bizarre I just I I still have a hard time connecting why something cuz typically like whenever I have a hard time connecting so the arms and the wings. Like if you're going to need both of those at the same time because it just doesn't seem like why you would need one and, and the other like
0: so, I don't know. I still, have, I still have issues with that, trying to um, pick the two. And I just say, talk about it because that's how they're described. Right. Like, if you asked me to give a biological justification, um, wing creatures are usually ambush predators. They are grappling predators where they usually do a grab. Having four appendages to grab instead of two, I could see that being an advantage. But the, the other side is, if you're flying, does it pay f- for the extra weight? Mm-hmm. and on that level, I'd say probably not unless you're not going very far, and definitely I don't think you'd be able to reach those speeds. Mm-hmm. Like, biologically, I just don't think it makes sense. I, I, I don't know. So, I mean, I have, I have issues with it, but no. But why do we always put Mothman in the cryptid camp? then? It's, it's always there. It's considered to be one of the famous
1: cryptids. Well, I mean, it's... I mean, it's... I mean, I think most cryptids tend to be, like physical inhuman esque creatures. I mean that's why I think that's why it gets I think that's
0: why it gets lumped into that category. But there's so many, you know, cryptids that don't possess supernatural capability. True. Where Mothman seems to. True. And I feel like that has the potential to put it outside that
1: category. Well I mean there's a lot of I mean there's a lot of like non wing I mean Bigfoot himself, I mean he, he, he has a lot of weird paranormal things other than just, you know, Licking peanut, lick peanut butter and rummaging through your garden. Yeah, but
0: there's a lot of cases where he does not exhibit supernatural traits. Beyond that,
1: there's a lot of instances where Mothman doesn't necessarily exhibit supernatural traits. They just seem to follow
0: him. Yeah, but there does seem to be a high amount. The other part is this. There's nothing about Bigfoot's form that would make him an impossibility. Like, there's nothing actually physically about Bigfoot that makes me go, that could not biologically work. Like it's actually a very sound biological well, plan. I mean, it's just taking the general hominid and making it bigger, which we know there have been hominids in the past that were just bigger, and it was reasonably effective. Well, I mean, I'll,
1: but I mean, I think some of the stories of like them just taking bullets to the face and just wa- and just shaking them off, or just oh, that was another one. My points. like the bulletproof Mothman, was another one of are points. about. Disappearing right in front of
0: you, I guess, but, but no, sure. like they are outliers. Well, personally, the truth, my truthful answer is this. I don't think Bigfoot is just a cryptid either. Mm. I also don't think that, that one lies in the camp. I think there's enough stories of Bigfoot teleporting, opening portals, using telepathy, and cooperating with extraterrestrials or just showing up at the same time. Well to make me be skeptical.
1: Well, I mean, to be fair, I mean there's also I as far as all the reports that I've seen, I think there's a lot of them where they're just walking around just minding their own business or rummaging through your garbage, your picnic basket like go get the bear, but I mean Well, some Bigfoots are just Bigfoots and other Bigfoots have nine levels of wisdom. Well, to be fair though, I would say that a lot of Bigfoot researchers tend to, to do disregard some of those more I don't want to say they fanciful, do. some of those more supernatural esque stories of Bigfoot. Like I, I follow a couple of big pretty big prominent Bigfoot researchers and a lot of times I will see them just flat out just ignore stories and just they'll be like, you know, Oh, this Bigfoot was seen walking up a mountain then vanished or this Bigfoot was, you know, was shot four times and didn't have any bullet holes in it. No, obviously that's not true. And then they just ignore it. And I'm just like, I don't know if that's really I don't know if really that's what we should necessarily be doing when we're yeah, trying to do that. They're doing the themselves a disservice. Right. Well, I mean, I think that's why when you're looking, we've always said when you're looking at the paranormal, you have to look at it from a with a wider lens, and you start seeing some pretty bizarre, interesting things. You know, when when it comes to that, like we like we've talked about like Bigfoot sightings and UFO sightings. I remember pitching that to a to a Bigfoot researcher. And it sort of threw him off. He just sort of shirked the question when the, I when I asked him about it. Most bigfoot yeah. researchers
0: do not like it when people point out the weird cases where bigfoot yeah. seems to have power. Yeah, I did. I,
1: I talked. I did. There was a there was a prominent bigfoot researcher. I mean, I'm not throwing names because I'm not trying to throw shade, but like I was watching an interview and I and I and I, and I dropped that comment and he just sort of said, I like, well, "Yeah, there's people that say that. I don't really look into that myself." And you know, and I said like, "Well, I can't disprove that." And then he just sort of moved on. And then he just sort of moved on without really addressing my point. At all, so... I mean, I think that's why it's important
0: to look at it with a wider lens because you start seeing some of those weird threads. But I also get it. A lot of uh, Bigfoot researchers are trying to make the subject matter appealing to scientists, and I don't think I telepathy and teleportation, when it comes to a biological creature, is appealing to scientists. Yeah,
1: you know, they don't want. They don't want to. Uh, they don't want to see like have it be like the beginning of the Ghostbusters movie where. You know, you get the dean of the university shows up and goes, get your shit, get out. <laughs> like, you know, they're just not going to take you seriously for it. And I get it. I mean, I, I get it. Okay. I eat up most of the time with my <laughs> topic. What you got? No. So, no. Well, well, the thing that I was really, that I was really interesting. So, one of the things that I was, that I was doing for a good while was I've been really trying to like, wrap my head around. I mean, I've been eyeballing just for some like new UFO alien things because we haven't really talked about that for a good while. So I've been keeping my ear to the ground, you know, usual places like watching, you know, our UFOs, our UFOs, our and and on Reddit. And uh, I started seeing some people talking about something called the dark forest theory. And I don't know if you guys are very familiar with this, with this particular theory surrounding, uh, surrounding UFOs and alien life. So if you ever talk to a skeptic? One of the things that they'll say is they'll say, well, you know, if aliens were real you know, we probably would have seen one of them by now. You know, I'm like, the universe is huge, infinite. There's there's no reason there's no reason to believe that we wouldn't have ran into to aliens uh, at this point. There's a very famous equation called the Drake Equation, which sort of maps out, like, the general size of the universe, how, you know, how big our galaxy is and things like that, and typically in, in some other random variables that they put in. And then generally it's assumed, you know, the, the universe is believed to be, like, somewhere like 13.8 billion years old. And if we had life... Uh, anywhere on the in, in the in the universe that had the ability to travel faster than life, they could actually colonize most of our galaxy uh, within a hundred million years. Uh,
0: I if I remember right, there is some guesstimation in the Drake theory. Cause um, mm-hmm. if I remember right it also takes into concept the amount of planets in the Goldilocks zone mm-hmm. and then makes a speculation on how many of those planets should contain life. Right. So I I do challenge that theory a little bit on maybe they just, and I think it's a good theory, but I would just say you might have some of those numbers skewed to which to throw off your formula really bad.
1: Well, I mean, I think, but I mean, but I think that that's, I mean, if the universe is infinite, and we have all the, and we have like all these billions of stars that are out there and we know that and we believe that some of them have like theoretically, we should just have human life or sorry that we should have, there should be intelligent life that's out there. Why haven't we ran into it? And the, the actual term for that is the Fermi paradox. I mean, it goes back to the 1950s, which is really funny because re- the story of how we get that particular paradox really sounds like a story like you would have, like, like me and Vic have, or you and your buddies would have. No, I'd have, now I don't know this like, one. Literally, was just two physicists one from Italy that were talking about the rise in U- the UFO cases in the 1950s. And so they literally just one summer were just eating lunch, and we are just talking about, well, there's all this space out there. How come we, don't, how come we haven't ran into intelligent life? Like, so, and, and that's, that's where we get that paradox from. Like that's so, and it, it's, it's, and since then people have been trying to answer that question. And so there's all sorts of theories about why we haven't ran any life. And this really interesting one that I, that I, that I ran into was called the dark forest theory. And it's, it's kind of a, a take, it's kind of an interesting take on a, uh, on a, on another theory, but it's put forth by Luke uh, Chixon. She's a, a science fiction writer from, from China. Then 2008 put out this book. And in it, she she lays down this theory, talking about, like, if we look at, like, how at human history and how we've evolved, typically there's been two things that have always been true, is that the humans, that one species has always been on the survival itself. Like, it is, its main thing is the survival itself. And that it will compete and take resources from somebody else. So the general thought is, if there is another alien species of life out there, it would probably do the same. Why wouldn't it be doing something that's similar? And so, it poses this theory of, of saying, like, you know, think about, like, you're walking really late at night. Like, you're taking, like, a moonlit stroll. And you're in the dark, and you're seeing shadows, and you see someone off in the corner by themselves walking. And in the moment, you have no idea that person is, Right. Like this could be a dangerous person. They could be a nice person. You don't know. So typically, most bad things tend to happen to people at night. Like most murders happen, most assaults happen, they tend to happen. And in space, it's always night. night. Yeah, so <laughs> you just run into that. And so uh, she poses. So typically, what would you do? You just wouldn't say anything. It's just in your own interest to just not say anything. And so that's the thing that she puts forward. Is she is she saying that in? In space, there are these alien theories. Like they would think the same way, and that we're like two hunters in the night. We don't know what the other one may do. We may end up shooting first. There's no reason to believe that if we encountered another species, that they wouldn't just become immediately hostile because of some sort of reason. You know, if you look at human history, like any time that you know a more advanced civilization hit a less advanced civilization, it did not go well for the less advanced civilization, technologically advanced civilization. So her general theory is that. The reason why we don't like the reason why we don't see anything is because there's only two other types of aliens that are out there. Ones that are aware of this concept and they just stay quiet. or dead civilizations.
0: I look forward to unpacking this yeah. in the patron section so, with
1: you. Yeah, so that's what we're gonna talk about. We're gonna unpack this kind of theory and we're, gonna, and we're gonna break this down a little bit. So uh if you guys are listening to this episode, if you guys liked it, don't forget to leave us a like, hit the subscribe button if you're listening to us on YouTube. Don't forget to hit that notification bell so you can stay up to date whenever we put out new episodes. As always, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it so much. We can't wait till next month. Whenever We're going to be back to our more regular schedule where we can put out content. But until next time, guys, keep believing. Because we'll keep listening. All right, guys, we're going to slide into the Pillow Talk 7, this podcast. If you want to check out the rest of this awesome podcast, all you're going to do is go over to our Patreon sign up. First, little is a dollar a month. You get the rest of this awesome podcast, as well as bonus episodes that we put up exclusively for you. You send them to be $2 more of a month. You get to vote on our poll to vote on the theme for next month. And right now, winning, guys, is the conspiracy iceberg. Ooh. We start breaking into some interesting conspiracies that we like and, and all sorts of things, which definitely is fun. Uh, and we'll make sure that we give the topic, uh, if that's what it's going to be, uh, the serious consideration that it should, with the lightheartedness that's probably needed. <laughs> when you're looking into some of these, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in breaking down uh, a little bit of this dark forest theory. That this idea that that out there, other aliens, they're either staying quiet because they're afraid if you run, in, if you peep too much, someone will destroy. You know, they'll be destroyed and dead civilizations.
0: But do you think that that's accurate? Do you think that that? Okay. Well, one of the things that I would point out is we're not really. In the galactic center, we're not really in the area where you're expecting a lot of heavily established life and things like that. Think about um, how we, so – I'm going to take how we create society and extrapolate from it. Usually, uh, we settle in a major cultural center, and we slowly spread out from there. The people who have the most uh, –